Hello, Spacers. From Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, I'm talking with Ari Stiles, my partner at Environments for Humans. E4H produces dozens of virtual UX front-end design conferences every year, as well as the CSS DevConf coming up this October, deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, some show notes as to where I'll be. I'll be hosting the Access U Summit. Access U Summit is a one-day, one-track virtual conference about advanced web and mobile accessibility issues. We have great speakers coming on a lot of topics from the law and accessibility to a crash course on accessible tools to make your job easier. Learn more and register now at accessusummit.com. Also, CSS DevConf is a conference that tackles CSS and much, much more. SAS, PostCSS, JavaScript, ReactJS, and just a whole lot more. The call for papers wraps up April 1st, no fooling. So please get your session in um, before the end of the day on Friday, April 1st, 2016. So check out more at cssdevconf.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for subscribing, liking, and telling others about Nonbreaking Space Show on iTunes. If you want to set it and forget it, have the show sent to your email inbox by signing up at newsletter.notbreakingspace.tv. Find show notes and links at nonbreakingspace.tv. Now, on with the show. Um, doing so are we like really recording right now yes oh i'm so sorry i didn't realize okay um uh yeah so, so what are you doing right now <laughs> okay so uh this week i've been doing tech checks for a responsive web design but we have a lot of returning speakers who already know how everything works and oh. so Today is my day to contact all of them and remind them that, yes, you do remember how everything works, don't you? That's my memory of things anyway. Oh, okay. That's yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of returning speakers that have, you know, are either A, really familiar with online presentation or B, have done several of our events before. So they're kind of in the know. What is the difference or differences between online speaking and normal speaking? The biggest thing that I have a lot of people um, uh, have as a hurdle for getting over is they're very used to speaking to a room full of humans mm -hmm. when they give a presentation. Uh, I hope so, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not getting all silence of the lambs on us, but um, that uh, – you know, with a few exceptions, I think now because we have more people on distributed teams and um, more remote offices, telecommuting, that sort of thing, that we've got, uh, you know, a lot of people are becoming familiar with maybe to presenting to just your team online and it being more like a discussion. And so that has helped me uh, as someone who trains people in this a great deal because there are very little differences there. 
Um, and uh, usually uh, those folks get used to online presentation pretty quickly because they've had that a similar primer. But um, for a lot of people who present, they are very used to human feedback in the form of faces in the audience, <laughs> which is kind of funny to me because we, you know, we go to a lot of tech conferences, you and I do, Christopher, and I noticed that at a lot of them, people have their laptops and or devices open and are taking notes so a little part of me is like, you're used to people looking back at you. I'm used to seeing people looking at their devices. But yeah, it's like they put up this wall. Like this, yeah. uh, this, yeah. my laptop's open, so I have this wall, and so yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and it's so dispar- you know, so disparaging for some speakers that I know that there are some conferences like Blend, even that like mm-hmm. insist people put their devices away. But I digress. So we've got a lot of speakers that are really used to that human feedback of having a sea of faces out there uh, listening to them. And so um, that is not something that they can visually see when they are presenting online for us or for other online conferences. And so I have kind of a few different strategies that I talk people through, especially for really outgoing people that, you know, really, really need that, you know, the affirmation of, you know, like another face or another voice out there. And so there's a few ways around it. Um, But just in general, we are social animals. And um, we are, you know, (laughs) no matter how much you meditate and detach and all those sorts of things, uh, (laughs) we (laughs) tend to need some form of uh, feedback Right. You know, even if you don't need approval all the time, you do need feedback. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I spoke at an online conference. It was uh, with uh, the head conference, which is like the uh, HTML right. tag head conference, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was asked to give a presentation. It's one I had done numerous times beforehand, and I had some really good jokes. <laughs> it, so I was really proud of that one that that one speech. So. Uh, and so I knew where the jokes were because I've done it before. And since it was an online conference, people had keyboards, you know, they can like type or like, you know, enter in comments as we go. And uh, I didn't know anyone was talking. It was kind of weird for the first moment. But once I hit that first joke point, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what you're called, joke, joke mm-hmm. point or whatever. But I know once I landed that joke. Mm-hmm. Or that funny antidote or whatever, uh, and people will start laughing like oh, "lol" or "haha" in the actual um, uh, chat room. Uh, I knew a people were there listening, mm-hmm. and two, it was going to be smooth sailing. And so when I hit uh, the other points, uh, that you know, other funny moments in my presentation, that uh, they were with me throughout the whole entire thing. So, um, so it's really so. I felt like if I didn't have those things, I know it would be kind of awkward. For someone new to new to speaking online, that it, it's, it's you need that kind of like, are you listening? Hello, knock knock. Right, right. Yeah, I think, and I we keep a chat room going for hours, and then you know we also have the Twitter feed and that sort of thing. So yeah, you do have that you know feedback that you know we encourage people to not get too hung up on the chat room, but at least if you see it scrolling by or something like that, you have some idea that there's some you know, feedback or activity going on around your talk. But mostly I just, I talk to people that are planning to speak and if they're feeling a little strange about it, you know, I just remind them that we're here, we're listening, we're excited to hear what you have to say. Otherwise you wouldn't be a part of the event, you know? And um, 
also I tend to, um, we have a backstage presenter chat, you know, that I try to encourage them with a great deal. Right. The back channel, mm-hmm. the, the presenter's back channel. If you yes. Yes. But, uh, but also, yeah, cause like, I know there's lots of distributed teams, but they have a group of like, you know, stand up meetings and whatnot. But those meetings are usually like a couple questions answered here or there, or if they've gone into more details, it's, they're, right. having a, they're having like a telephone conversation. Conversation. They're not, uh, you know, str- stringing together a, com- a presentation. So it's to to work without a net, so to speak, without human interaction for so long. It's it could be kind of, mm-hmm. kind of weird. Mm-hmm. that's why we like we try to humanize environments for humans as much as possible. Like we have the chat room. We 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 watch the Twitter feed. And stuff like that. We try to make sure right. And yeah. just trying to keep it fun. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, besides online stuff, we also do. Uh, on-site conferences, so we're we're planning the um, our October event, CSS DevConf. Yes. Road. And so um, and our call for sessions uh, wraps up pretty soon. So I wanted to. Oh, talk, next Friday, right? Yeah, talk to you and have you on on the on the uh, on the show and just talk about what people uh, can do when submitting uh, papers. And it's not just for our thing, but you know, it's, it's kind of timely for us. But for CSS DevConf, but um, uh, but for other conferences out there too, so if they they want to submit papers to other events uh, right. around the world and stuff like that too. But I do want to say, like, I do want to preface it with, with the stories that ever since we've done, um, we've in- incorporated uh, double blind voting. I think this is from day one, right? We've incorporated mm-hmm. double blind voting for mm-hmm. our call for speakers for DevConf. That's it was our our test run conference, and we've been yeah. it for so long. Is that uh, you know, ever since we've been doing that, we've 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 had the uh, kind of speaker Q and A in our in our conference, and um, and it's like a one last chance to ask a speaker that you saw any questions or you know give comments about anything that you right. may witnessed in one session. You ask another speaker in another session, you know, like or just about you know our our industry or what have you. And I don't think we've had one where uh, not one time where someone comes up and says like, "How can I?" Uh, be like you and speak at the uh, at the next CSS DevConf, right? Mm. It's, it's always been every mm-hmm. conference that that's come up. It's huge. I mean, it's almost to the point where I'm thinking that um, you know, if we <laughs> if we should just offer a sen- uh, uh, a session on preparing, yeah, you know, if you plan to submit for the following year. And I mean, um, I am really peripheral in. Uh, you know, I see those submissions for us, but I really think that um, that you tend to like handle them more. You know, and um, uh, uh, work with the voting more and and that sort of a thing. But just in general, I think you know conceptually, you and I talk about it a lot. And the yes, the double blind voting takes care of a lot of things. Um, and by double blind, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, we take away the name of the person and we take away the name of their company mm-hmm. and so whenever you actually go to vote for a, a css dev comp idea and we should have voting open later this spring um you're voting for the idea instead of think you know and i mean you know i know we all like to think that we don't have biases but it we we do <laughs> whether we realize it or not and so we kind of take that guessworker wondering about that by just saying here's the idea in case you know if you have any preconceived notions about gender whether you realize them or not 
guess what? It's not a factor in your voting. And same thing for um, employers. If you feel a certain way about enterprise employers versus freelancers or contractors or all that sort of a thing, um, you know, all of that information is removed. Now, I think, you know, that sort of thing is valuable if you are hosting an all enterprise conference or all freelancers conference, but we're hosting something that is for people who work with CSS and for people who work with all of its front end friends. And so um, that covers a spectrum of people, whether your contracts are working in the enterprise. And I think, you know, they all have something to learn from each other. So, um, yeah, I really, I appreciate the double blind voting. I love the results every time. And, um, we only, uh, get around and in there and kind of mess around with them if there's too much of the same thing, right. <laughs> you know, like if too many of the exact same type of subject, right. um, get voted in, then we kind of have to go in there and, and weed it out a little bit. But again, it's usually just by popularity, right. you know? Like how many flex box sessions? You're right, <laughs> exactly. Or like one year, it was like how many sections can we sessions can we have on selectors? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I love double blind just because it, it's um, it just brings so many uh, new voices yes. into the mix, and so uh, and it's people that we've we've never we never. Uh, We've seen before, like I think our our kind of example that we always state is uh, Rachel Neighbors showed up for the first one CSSDevConf, and um, and neither one of us had ever heard of her before. Right. She had a really great idea, you know, and then she told us later that it was something she didn't even have a presentation for, but she'd always wanted to research, right. and so she used her submission and being accepted as a chance to research that topic and put together presentations on it. Yeah. And, you know, it has been, you know, fast forward four years, five years, and it has been great for her. She's seen the world, you know, yeah. talking about the subject. So Yeah, that's, you know, um, yeah, and it's, it's a t- testament, to, uh, testament to just working hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just love the fresh voices angle in general, yeah. because a lot of times, especially with uh, new conference organizers or just conference organizers in general, when they're getting, you know, whether they're getting started or, you know, something, they're dealing with some challenges. One of the challenges that they kind of uh, will put aside sometimes is really searching for uh, new and unusual talent. Yeah. Um, they're very you know, it makes sense. It's we're all human beings that we're going to talk to our friends first and, and ask them to be speakers. Um, you know, if they happen to be speakers, and so um, it because of that, you know, sometimes you can end up with this sameness right. kind of across conferences where it's kind of like a bunch of people that kind of know each other within all one social group, you know, and, you know, so you can go to like five or six conferences and see the same lineup of people every year. And um, we're um, working hard to avoid that. And I think because of it, we end up adding some new voices to the mix when it comes to, you know, um, the thinking on CSS and on front end. Yeah. It's that technology change and people who, work on it change or like you know have fresh ideas from everywhere that's the beauty of the of the internet so yeah and uh so yeah so what i want to do is you know try to answer that question that we always get 
uh, at seasons.conf and, uh, or, you know, what will it take for someone to, uh, be a speaker at an event, right? And oh. Like go across the, the chasm, if you will, mm-hmm. if there is such a thing as a chasm and like from attendee sitting, uh, uh-huh. to speaking at a podium. And so, uh, and there really is no, cause like there's a couple of words of advice like, uh, that, uh, that I was, you know, as a speaker is that one, the uh, collective knowledge of the audience will always be smarter than the speaker. Mm-hmm. And so like there's someone, you know, the whole entire audience will knows the answers to the questions you're, you're proposing, unless you're like, unless you're revealing some sort of like statistical analysis that you've done like five years of research on or right or know, something that's never been heard. Yeah, ever. exactly. So, so someone can help you out if you get stuck and that's cool. Um, and then also, um, I think, uh, a lot of people get stuck with the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. And so that's like a big, big thing. Big with that. So it's, it's something that people will have to have to deal with it. What, like what are your thoughts on like imposter syndrome? In terms of- well, I think it's a human nature Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that it's uh, <laughs> well. There, what what was the opposite one? That oh gosh, <laughs> I want to say bloviator syndrome, but I know that's not real. Um, but I mean, most of the population is afflicted with some level of imposter syndrome, and also you you add into that. There's so many different things that you can pile on because uh, public speaking. Most people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Yes. You know, and so um, there are so many factors there that hold people back from uh, saying maybe something that they really need to say. You know, I mean, if it's a technology that you're working with and, um, you know, you found some ways to make your life easier, maybe you're getting, you're able to leave work. 30 minutes earlier than your cohorts or something like that, but still get your work done. Guess what? You are doing something innovative and you probably should be talking about it, you know? And so even though you may not be an authority uh, among your team members or, you know, that sort of a thing, you're an authority to somebody, you, you probably have something to share that's going to help somebody. And so, um, I encourage people to think of it that way, um, to stop comparing so much in terms of, uh, you know, uh, maybe the people uh, in your team or in your everyday life that you uh, encounter that are very comfortable always talking about what they've accomplished when really, if you put it down on paper, maybe you've accomplished just as many things. You're just not talking about it as much. You know, so some people just get really comfortable with the idea of talking about things. And so um, I think it's there's a little bit of culture involved there, too, because some of us are raised with or um, are in a, a culture that encourages you to reflect and talk about your experience after it's done. Okay. And I encourage people to just get into that. Uh, mindset, even if you're not going to be a public speaker, there are other ways that you can do it. You can blog about your experience or how you solve this problem. Um, You can keep a a journal that you refer back to. I think you've made this joke and I've heard a few other people say, hey, you know, I was trying to figure out how to solve a problem and I searched it 
and it was it came up uh the answer came up a blog post that i wrote three years ago (laughs) you know so so even if you don't have a blog you could have a database or something where you keep track of Mm. you know your versions and the way that you solve problems and that sort of thing and so you know i personally would encourage you to share it with the world but even if you don't i think that reflection um teaches you so much and um gives you some idea when you look back at it a year or two or three later gives you some idea how far you've come and that can help you overcome things like imposter syndrome as well right yeah that'll definitely help you out with your with your, yeah if you have like a, a bad day just to look back at what you've done i mean i think uh uh chris coyer always says that uh you know we, we've talked to him and he's given keynotes before and where he says um that uh the best moment to blog about uh, a technology or a technique is right after you had that breakthrough and you figured it out mm. and then that way you could put into words what you just found and, and learned and so that's because the inspiration is right there that's um and that goes back to even when i was learning guitar right in the like a, mm. guitar lessons is that uh you know the music teacher would say like oh, if you get inspired for a song you know, in the middle of the night, you know, you write that song then and there. You don't wait for it until, till, uh, till it passes. You know, you just, you know, you just you go with it until it's until that moment's gone. Because that uh, inspiration or that um, feeling that you had, it's just going. It's not going to be there. You can't go back in time and and, and you know, and pull it back. So, so that's kind of what I've been trying to do lately. Is you know, I've resuscitated my blog from. Uh, <laughs> I love that word resuscitate. Yeah, I was like, you shall live. And uh <laughs> Life. Life. <laughs> like, and uh and it's it's getting letting go of perfectionism too in some ways. It's yeah, like, that's a huge one. Yeah, so like my blog typography sucks right now. And <laughs> I have to live with that for a while. And so um so I haven't really gotten there. And like even though I I just talked to Zell for this podcast about typography before and he was mm-hmm. some great ideas. I just haven't had time to implement them yet. But uh but it's been great just to be able to blog some new ideas that have percolated um, when I come up there. So just and uh, trying to get into the rhythm of blogging. And, and I really want to say, like, you know, just you talked about uh, uh, sharing with the world with your ideas and what you've done. I think it's just um, I try to just get just by blogging every day or trying to blog every day about something, you know, even though it's um, someone else might have known about it. But just being putting it into your words and like showing people what you know and then so and the idea is like that one thing isn't going to be great but if you get a whole year of ideas of small ideas you know they just pile up well then just in general you also find your authentic voice as a communicator if you exercise that muscle regularly most definitely like the blog posts i've been trying to push out recently are just oh just taking forever to get out the door (laughs) and then uh, and then once you've I trying to find that rhythm and you know that rhythm I had for uh that Tisa's cookbook you know it's, it's you know it's I think it's almost there almost have it back it's like oh mm-hmm. yeah that's how I did it um and so um which is great because I was supposed to be writing like two books <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. in the next few years so yeah. uh but yeah so but yeah so well, definitely, definitely want to uh, encourage people to blog I think that's just mm-hmm. the number one thing like and you don't have to have your own domain name or whatnot but right. there's medium which which is awesome. So just to have out there. Yeah. So what did you say? Well, the other thing I was going to say is that just, you know, during my years 
uh, I was at South by for a while, and then we've been working with uh, speakers and putting together conferences for several year, years on a nuts and bolts level, <laughs> meaning, you know, once you get past all your fears or you're, you know, feeling confident working through your fears and your imposter syndrome and all the other things that are holding you back, um, things that conference organizers love. <laughs> um, I've run across a few speakers that have done this and it is just wonderful. If you have just like one page, an HTML page, you know, if you're a web designer, you probably have a page like this and it doesn't even have to be public, but that you can send a conference organizer oh, yeah. and it's got headshots that you can download, um, two or three different lengths of your bio. Mm -hmm. I personally would recommend like, it's going to sound silly, but a Twitter length one, right. <laughs> uh, because there are some conferences that don't have much space to run your bio. And then um, more like a, a hundred word one, and then maybe a two or three hundred word one, especially if you go to academic conferences, they make a lot of room to run long right. bios. Um, maybe if you have a couple of versions of headshots great have a color and black and white one available i mean you are just doing a huge service right. you know and then also frankly somebody might stumble across that you know just in a google search looking for a speaker you know so be be sure to use the word speaker presenter yada 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 in your descriptions you know, in your copy on your page and, and uh, repeat those words <laughs> a bit, you know, because someone, someone might just stumble across it as well. But I will just say that as a conference organizer, yes, I'm a little bit biased <laughs> about these things. But that sort, having all that organized is right. just such a huge resource. And then once you do it, <laughs> as uh, because I've talked to every speaker that has something like this, mm. I make sure I thank them at yeah. least via email, if not face to face, because we run into a lot of people face to face yeah. and all of them say it has made my life easier too. Right. You know, so it might seem like a pain, you know, yeah. and then also for the bio, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but a lot of people get a writer's block when they go to do their bio. Right. So what I recommend is just going and grabbing someone else's. Yeah. This is going to sound terrible. And change all of the facts of it at first right. to represent so, so you. So I invented the internet. I should remove that. I should just, Right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And change it with all the facts about things that you've done and where you've worked and projects you've worked on. And then once you, you know, it's so much easier to edit something than it is to start fresh. So after you change all of those things, then you're going to see other ways that you want to customize it. Yeah. So I am not telling you that you are going to go out and plagiarize somebody else's bio. Okay, yeah. I am saying you're going to use somebody else's bio as a framework because it is easier to edit than it is to start from scratch with those things. And a lot of them do follow a pattern anyway. Right. Yeah, my bio, like someone caught me and said like, uh, like you know, they said like your bio is wrong. It's like, how so? It's just like, like... I'm supposed to call you Ishmael? Like, what the heck? You know, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tip uh -huh. staff. Uh, staff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I read a thing the other day. <laughs> and you know what? Speak, yes, yeah, I know. Segways are for kids. <laughs> but I forgot to tell you We're this. Net, guys. We're I know. Net. Hey, um, I read a thing that um, Austin passed the two million mark. 
for in the city proper for population. Okay. So I'm not sure if we have the no vacancy sign somewhere that we can turn on. Okay. But I thought, oh yeah, we're going to run out of barbecue if we're not careful. We got to take the right steps, people. Yeah. We got to prepare for no barbecue. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I do, I do want to uh, circle back and say uh, about the speaker kit. It sounded like it sounded like you mm-hmm. were kind of uh, talking about the the uh, ingredients for um, for what you need for a speaker kit. You know you. Need to have um, you don't need like a, a well professional, you know, prof- professionally done f- uh, photo, but it helps to have a high res one, especially in times mm-hmm. of uh, retina responsive images. To have a high retina, you know, high resolution photo, yeah, or a headshot, you know, in the in the age when your smartphone can take great photos, there's really no excuse not to have a headshot. Mm-hmm. I think um, you don't have to post it on the web page, but you can have a link to it if you're kind of embarrassed by it or not. You know, have a bio. Um, some people will have bios written in third person, first person. There's nothing worse than uh, uh, there's nothing. Those are like plenty of things more worse than this. But uh, uh, I've had to convert people's bios from first person to third person. Oh yeah. On the you know, and that's just like oh man, serious. Uh, I feel like I'm trapped in English class, uh, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But uh, but yeah, it's a nice exercise. But uh, being able to find people uh, on the internet and, you know, so it's really hard sometimes if you want to speak, but you're not, uh, don't have a, like a, that, that one page out there that, that confirms that you are who you are. It, it's, it's nice to have that page out there as a conference organizer. It's like, Oh, okay, you're, you're this person and um, you've submitted this talk and I can, you know, I can clearly mat- match you up and, and uh, see, see who you see you are and some of that too. And I think in the, in the age where we have GitHub, and you can host things on uh, GitHub pages. Uh, it's pretty easy, just I think, just to have a quick speaker page and throw it together um, and put all the assets into one page and have all your links to your social media if you need to do that. Too. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I definitely do that as a bare minimum. But, uh, but I think also just going back also to speaker uh, the speakers and the posture syndrome. I mean, I think it's you know it's something you know I think everyone has to deal with is just that. Um, you know, just because other people have done things beforehand doesn't mean that you, you know what ideas that you have aren't invalid. You know, mm-hmm. just like you're adding your own two cents to it. You know, if you actually, you know, what's your experience is always a great idea to talk about. Case studies are always awesome. I always love yes. case studies uh, and how you solve problems because you always get the. This is the my wrong problem with with uh, not my my wrong problem with speaking is that uh, people always say like it depends. See, that's okay. Yeah, this is where we differ because, okay, and I mean, I know that bothers a lot of people. I hear you. I have great sympathy for you. If you have a problem with hearing, it depends. Let me back up and say that. But uh, first off, it is true across all disciplines Mm -hmm. that the more experienced you are, the more you realize the nuance of every question that someone asks you. Right. So, um, when somebody says it depends, rather than, you know, jumping on like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing that, I always listen to what's after to, you know, because my first thought is I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they're experienced enough to give me a nuanced answer. 
or know about different hypotheticals that I might be facing or that sort of a thing. So stop and appreciate that part first. But um, secondly, if they turn around and maybe the answers are, you know, not really all that nuanced or um, only about like their personal experience or something really cynical, you know, that sort of a thing, that's the downer for me. But if they can give me, uh, and it's okay to give me a complex answer, (laughs) I'm like, wow, you're smart. Awesome. You know, but I still, and I appreciate their help, but I still usually have to simplify things for my specific instance. I just appreciate that the person I'm talking to probably has several different scenarios, is experienced enough to have several different scenarios in mind to know that the answer to my question varies a great deal based on those scenarios. So, persons, uh, so basically you're saying, Mm-hmm. When someone says it depends, yes, the quality of answer depends on what they say. <laughs> what Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay, so, so rather than automatically be turning turned off by it depends, right. you know, listen to what comes after yeah. and take it depends as this is a complex issue. Right. Well, I'm not saying it yeah. depends is bad. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my thing is like, I would like to do at the start of a conference when everyone checks in just says that everyone's solution to a problem, uh, is, uh, is different mm-hmm. and that's okay. So therefore we will not use the phrase. It depends. Uh. <laughs> so you sign a little waiver, like a little claim and say, okay, we understand. Uh, and then when they come in, like, so, so that for someone asks a question that suits their scenario. Yeah. Say, I, uh- I'm not big on banning words, especially when they're that banal. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> you know me. I'm an anti-speech person. So I'm, I'm, well, you also don't like history questions either. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that's – well, you say that with no context. Let me put that in context. It depends on context is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, <laughs> so it depends. Yeah. You're saying like, no, I, I hate history is what you just said. No, you said you hate history questions. No, I don't like history. I said history questions. No, uh, I don't like questions and Q&A when they are, what do you think about the future of Oh, it? that was the future yeah, of I'm sorry. I said, I said so, it wrong. So you said like, I just hate history. When I, I need to clarify this statement. Mm-hmm. Make sure I love history. Okay, sorry about that. So, okay, I'm going back and I'm being clear and saying (laughs) Christopher hates the future of questions. And I will admit that they are pretty lame. um, But I, I really hate cutting people off. Yeah, me too. So, but I, I will do it if I need to. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of speculation questions lead to just really dumb answers about things that we don't know about so right and especially in our industry it's changed things changes so fast mm-hmm. that uh you know if you would like three four years ago if you said like we're gonna have javascript task runners for front end development or whatnot mm-hmm. i was just like what are you serious and so you know now we're like you know talking about tools new tools every day and then let this week you know the news item <laughs> hot drama this week is how uh you know uh, people pulled a, a node module that people relied on for, for multiple open source projects, and so people were like freaking out about like what what is uh what does that mean for node going forward? So mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, but yeah, so things happen, things change. But uh, yes, cool. Um, but yeah, I just want to say like, and also kind of circle back to the imposter thing again. It's just like everyone feels like that. 
Um, but you know, if you work in an industry, uh, you have opinions about it, and it's okay to share those opinions, you know, with your colleagues. And if your colleagues are interested in your opinions, I think other people at a conference um, scenario or venue would be interested in doing that too. And there's plenty of articles online. We'll link to them in the uh, show notes about ways of dealing with imposter syndrome. But mm-hmm. I think again, I just want to iterate. Like I think you agree. It's just like if you work in the industry, you can speak at a conference. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you have you. You know, if you've been here for a while, or even if you haven't, even you know, if you landed a job, mm-hmm. you uh, you already have a set of skills or some kind of expertise. Right. You know, even just about finding a job. Right. Um, one more nuts and bolts thing. Right that um, I forgot to bring up before when I mentioned nuts and bolts is that um, Jen Lucas said this about our submission process a few years ago and I very much appreciate it and every time I look at the forum each year I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, she said that, uh, well, she started off as a um, keynoter for us. She keynoted the very first CSS DevConf that we had in Waikiki but um, she went and uh, looked at the form anyway for submission, you know, kind of just out of curiosity. And she said that it's just a great way to, you know, if you fill in the blanks on that submission form, it is a great way to think about structuring a talk. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's wise too that, you know, we are encouraging anyone who's listening obviously and is interested to please go and submit for CSS DevConf. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe it's not your year or maybe it's not your subject. It might be worth going and just looking at those steps if you're thinking about giving talks but not quite sure how to structure a talk. Mm-hmm. Um just looking at the way the form is set up, I mm-hmm. think, is a good way of thinking about structuring a talk. Right, and so I think she's, if I, if I remember correctly, she was talking about uh, abstracts, about right? Abstracts and talks, and so, or just or your. But or, from or, that, you know, uh, from that, a lot of people grow just grow their talk and use their abstract almost as the outline or something. Right. I mean, and that's so. like, uh, like the original sin of speaking is that if you deliver a talk, that's <laughs> not matched up to your abstract, yeah. Uh, which is you know, which is like people come to your talk. They read up about it and they say like, "Hey, what's, you know, what is uh, what is this person speaking on, speak, speaking on?" And they, if they came in late or whatnot, you know, they can they read up about it. But if you don't match it up, and so, you know, one of the tricks that we have, if you will, like air, air quotes tricks, is that for our, our submission process, you know, as a speaker, when I started out, you know, writing an abstract for a talk is always difficult. And one of the things I used to do is, um, uh, you know, I, w- I would always go to South by Southwest, you know, since I've been going since 2004, mm-hmm. um, at the very least. I may have gone to 2003, I'm not really sure. But um, is I always uh, get a copy of the interactive book and that had a listing of all the talks mm-hmm. that was there. And then when South by Southwest submission process came up again, I would look through and see uh, and research all the talks that made it. Uh, the previous year, and then I would start like, oh, and I'd start trying to find kind of a rhythm to the talks that made it. And mm-hmm. South by Southwest is a little unusual in that they will actually allow swear words yeah. <laughs> in their t- titles, and things are a little like a little different than most. But uh, 
but uh, you know, which is, you know, I don't put swear words in my in my titles, my talks. Um, they just find their way into they your. Just, no, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I just drop. Uh, I drop so many f bombs. It's amazing. Uh-huh. But uh, but uh, no, I just kidding. But um, but yeah, but that way I could research it. And so I think that's one of the things is that people can actually research uh, other conferences and see how their submissions, their abstracts look. Um, sometimes they don't even have abstracts, but. Uh, what we do for ours is that uh, we just ask for a quick one, two, three sentence summary, and then a bullet point list of the key points that you want to deliver. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that's it, you know, and some p- people really skimp on that. Like there's like one sentence, I'll be talking yeah. about XYZ and there's two bullet points. I'm like, yeah, that's not really. You got to think of like two to five things. No, it's going to be like three, really. Three. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Two, two things is just like. Yeah, it's like a garnish. All right. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah. three, two or three things yeah. that people are going to walk away yeah. knowing right. after your talk that they didn't know before. Yeah, because two things are just like whatever you know. So it's like, but unless unless they're like really meaty type stuff, and then even if they're really meaty for like a forty-five minute talk, those two things could be broken out into more things, and um, and then that way you could do like the the old re- reporter trick, right, of uh, doing the reverse. Pure, the reverse pyramid trick of like, you put the most important part of your news story at top, the first paragraph. Oh, and, what you lead with, right? Yeah, what you lead with, and then you you know gradually go to the less important stuff at the bottom. So, but by doing a quick summary and by relying on bullet points, which is I usually have like six or so, like a good handful, no more than seven is like more than. Seven. Wait, you said, wait, you just told me five was too many. Oh, five? No, well, no, I thought you said two was too many, too few. Sorry. Oh, I said two to five uh, things. Okay. Somebody should walk out of a room knowing. Okay. Well, that was then. This is now. I hate. I hate. Okay. I hate Sorry. history. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, it's Friday. <laughs> so, but uh, that way you're not really focused on carrying like multiple paragraphs for mm. an abstract, and that's where that's the problem it really solves is that you don't want to have someone who's new to speaking. Writing paragraphs about their about what they're we're talking about, so mm-hmm. so that's what really great great thing to do is just like ask people, just give a simple summary, and then what type of things we we hope to to learn, and that way they can use those bullet points as the main uh, you know foundation for their talk. And so I found that that's just a really great way of allowing people to to build their presentations, but also set expectations for people who are coming to see your talk. Mm-hmm. So that way they're more in tune. Yeah, realistic expectations. Yeah, yeah so, are nice. Yeah, because like if you write three paragraphs, you know, your emphasis might be on one point that's buried in the paragraph, but um, and you spend like thirty minutes on that, whereas you spend, you know, twenty minutes on some other part where the people like really, you know, you know, like you, you spend like two paragraphs talking about, or five minutes on some other other things. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this gives you some sort of balance. Right. So if that makes sense, people are writing the equation down. Uh, yeah. So, so for, yeah, email me the equation. I'll and whoever wins, I'll give you a prize. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so for people that are interested in submitting, they can go to cssdefconf.com, and the form is linked there underneath the speakers. And we're accepting submissions through April first at midnight. So if whether you're interested in submitting or just curious about the form, um, you can go check that out. And I will say that it has been. Really fun for us to do some research on uh, things to do in San Antonio with our evening events. Mm-hmm. Um, because l- kind of like New Orleans, San Antonio is 
you know, really big on entertainment. <laughs> so there are a lot of things to choose from. So that's been fun to look at too. Yeah. So, and then if you're speaking also, there's like, there's types of uh, presentations that you can do. Um, there's a technical talk where you actually like, uh, uh, if you want to just do uh, just really deep dive into it, you can do a case studies, like I mentioned earlier, love case studies. Um, you can do super technical where you do even super deep dive. Uh, storytelling is always great. So no matter what you do with your presentation, always have some stories. Uh, demos are awesome. If, especially like Chris Coyer always said he loves demos, especially uh, on CodePen. So demos are awesome because it helps people see you know exactly what's going on and, and be able to get their hands on the code. Uh, it could be an inspirational talk or like a personal talk on, on how they deal with stuff. So there's mm-hmm. lots of things you could do uh, with, with the presentation. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely feel more into it. So, uh, so what has been your favorite presentation or presentations? Well, it's hard because I work yeah. most of the time, and so I don't get to see very much mm-hmm. of anyone's uh, presentation. I will say the one I always get to see is the closing keynote. Yeah, <laughs> and I will say that I think that. Um, Dave Rupert really brought down the house this year and said a lot of things that weren't necessarily about CSS at all, but like things that we should be thinking about as an industry. And uh, I thought, and inclusivity, and I thought were great. And then a couple of years ago, I think the reason I got to see this one was because it was the keynote on the second day (laughs) was Zoe Gillenwater. Um, and her talk was just so wonderful and I've always wanted to try to recapture because we had some audio problems in the room that we're recording and so her recording didn't come out so great. Um, but she talked a, a bit about imposter syndrome and just in general how, you know, if we're paying attention to the steady stream of, you know, like everything coming at us on Twitter and now Slack and, right. you know, all that sort of thing, that it can feel overwhelming, right. you know, because there's so many things that you want to do and try, but you have your actual work that you need to do. And then if you spend all your time at work and then trying out new things and you never leave your desk, then you never get to like spend time away from work, maybe with other things that inspire you. And, you know, she just did uh, a great job of, you know, like, hey, maybe we should all kind of give ourselves a break. (laughs) And, you know, um, uh, so she talked a little bit about, you know, some strategies for like, Mm -hmm. you know, making sense of the fire hose of information that's coming at you and you know how to use it to your benefit instead of feeling overwhelmed so oh, wow. yeah mm-hmm. yeah those are two great talks so yeah cool awesome okay uh that's about it any, any final words about any ideas i'm yeah i'm i'll be digging for that austin's no vacancy sign i guess <laughs> after we're done it's in the garage somewhere, <laughs> it's in the garage somewhere. I'm in charge of the southern quadrant, so whoever's in charge of the north one is okay. going to have to go hang the one out there. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting read, and you know, I'm thrilled that so many people are here, and that our tech um, uh, uh, sector is amazing and diverse and interesting and that sort of thing. And and then I go and try to drive on the freeway, and I feel differently about things. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> cool. So how can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, I am ARI4NNE on Twitter because they, uh, my name was taken. So I did REN, but with a four in the middle. And um, so there's, yeah, Twitter okay. is how to find me. Cool. And I am also on Twitter. I'm at T-E-L-E. J-E-C-T, Teleject. And also you can find me at Christopher.org. Okay, well, thank you yes. so much for taking time out today, Ari. Absolutely. It was fun to nerd out about conference stuff. And I hope everyone listening will submit or tell your friend to submit if it's not your thing, but maybe you know you've got a friend that will. And I hope to see a lot of people in San Antonio because it's going to be a blast. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.